Welcome to the Studies in Proverbs podcast, produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. This is taken from a video series you can find on our website, heartcrymissionary.com. HeartCry is a missionary society founded by Paul Washer. The goal of our ministry is to glorify God and bring the greatest possible good to humankind through the preaching of the gospel and the establishment of biblical churches throughout the world. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society. Welcome once again. Here we are studying the book of Proverbs, and we are in chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 11 through 15. Now, this is a very, very important lesson because it talks about God protecting us from evil and evil men. And whether we like it or not, as Christians, we live behind enemy lines, and this world is not a safe place. So we need to listen to God's word in order to be protected. Let's let's look. Verse 11. Discretion will guard you, understanding will watch over you, to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I pray that you would use this lesson to give wisdom to your people, to the young people who are listening to it. Father, I pray that they would grow in their their fear of the Lord, grow in discernment, that they would walk circumspectly, carefully in this world. Father, protect them from evil and evil men. But most of all, Lord, I pray that each and every one of them might know you through your Son, Jesus Christ, and his gospel. Now help us, Lord, with this very important lesson. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, You know... Just by way of example, if you walked up to someone and said, you're a sinner, um, they would probably not become that offended. The word has become so common. Uh, Some may even laugh about it. I mean, there are men who boast about being great sinners. But if you walk up to someone and say, you are evil, that is quite offensive. Why is that? Because... It's not because we have such a heightened sense of evil. It's just we've lost the sense of what it means to be a sinner. To sin is to commit evil. Not just evil, but the greatest form of evil. And why is it the greatest form of evil? Because it's committed against an infinitely glorious and worthy and good God. And so I I want you to see that as we're choosing our paths in life, this is not just a choice of... um, you know, if I choose this path, it's for my best life now. That, that's not the idea. But, but there are things that God loves and things that God hates. There are things that are good and things that are evil. And we need to learn to choose the good and reject the evil. Another thing that I want you to understand is that this is not a safe place. We live as Christians behind enemy lines, and it, it looks every day like it, it may get worse. And we're going to have to make serious choices. And you as young people, as you grow, don't think life's going to get easier. It's going to get more difficult. 
You may not know it, but right now, if you're living with your parents in a way, they're a wall of protection to you. You, you don't have to make the decisions and stand against the world as they do. But one day you will come out from under their protection. And yes, you will have to face an evil world and you'll have to decide. Will you be a righteous man, a righteous woman, or not? Now, today we're going to talk about how wisdom protects God's people from, from evil. Now, now remember, we've talked about how God could supernaturally intervene and do it, and sometimes that has been the case in church history. We see it in the Bible. But for the most part, God wants us to learn to overcome evil by discerning that which is good and making choices unto his glory and our own spiritual well-being. So now let's look. First of all, it says here that in, in verse 12, let's read, to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things. So it's, it's from deliver us from evil, but then he talks about men. And so it's, it's both evil in itself and evil as it manifests itself through other individuals. Now, it says deliver us, to save us, to rescue us. Now, um, we have a saying um, in Peru. It says, Salvame de las aguas mansas, de las aguas bravas me salvo yo. And the, the idea is, uh, save me from the calm waters. I'll save myself from the rough waters. What does it mean? When you see rough waters, you're automatically prepared and cautious, you see. But when you see calm waters, you think, oh, this is easy. I'll just cross it. It'll be no problem. When you don't realize that maybe underneath there are very, very dangerous currents and such that would demand you being rescued. Well, sometimes as Christians, we're, we're not really in tune with the fact we live in a very dangerous place. And we not only need to be saved from our sin with regard to condemnation, but we need to be saved from the power of sin. And we need to be saved and delivered and rescued from so many situations in this life that could ruin us. And so we need wisdom to save us, to rescue us. And it says here, delivers from evil. Um, when we think of evil, rightfully so, we think of a malignancy, we think of, of, of something dark. But also the idea is that which is bad harmful, painful destruction, you see. And, and here's what I want you to see is that so many times the world and Satan will present sin as something delightful. And um, it may appear that way, but in the end it will be like bitter's gall. It will be like uh, rocks in your gut. It will wound you. It will ruin you. It can kill you. Evil is not just morally bad. It's dangerous. Very dangerous. Like a virus. Like a plague. And so, like venom. And so it is to be avoided. And, and you know, so in, in this world we have this idea of, you know, what a man is. A man, you know, goes out there and does all these things. No. A man and a true woman is one who seeks to conform their life, their character, their deeds to God's will, which is revealed in his word and revealed especially in his son, Jesus Christ. Now, 
I want you to remember a couple things that I wrote down here. First of all, God can deliver you providentially. He can. But that is really not the way that the mature need to be delivered all the time. Yes, we're all going to run into circumstances where it's beyond us and God must intervene. But for the most part, God wants us to learn wisdom, not just studying the book of Proverbs, but studying from Genesis to Revelation over and over again so that our mind is conformed to the will of God and we can detect evil that fast. And we also, from the word of God, know how to respond to it, how to save ourselves from it. Another thing, um, and I wrote this down here, remember, um, God can save you from never getting involved in evil rather than save you from your involvement in evil. Now, what do I mean? You know how some people have these amazing testimonies, you know, they were <clears throat> very bad people, maybe they were in jail, they were criminals, they were outlaws, they were all these different things and God saved them. And we hear those testimonies and we rejoice. Praise God, you know, that he has such power to transform lives. But, but we have this wrong idea that that if if we're not that way, our testimony is not that amazing. But, but really, the most amazing testimony is when God saves someone, not out of trouble, but he saves them from trouble from the very beginning, you see. Now, if you do not listen to God's word, you do not listen to God's wisdom, and, and you're a believer, yes, you could jump into the middle of evil. You could get yourself in a whole lot of trouble. And yes, in God's mercy, he may pull you out. But that's not the plan. The plan is for him never to have to pull you out. Uh, my children and I, we, we go kayaking in the summer. We have a lot of kayaking rivers here. The idea is that they learn how to kayak. And they learn how to maneuver through the rocks and everything else. The idea is not that each time they fall into a pool and dad has to jump out of his kayak and save them. That's not the idea. The idea is to learn to navigate the river by yourself. And here's the thing you need to understand. Very important. If you avoid evil, you avoid evil. If you jump into evil and God saves you, there still may be the dire consequences. Yes. The dire consequences. My, my son may make a wrong move in the river. Now, he's not done this, but he may make a wrong move in the river and dash himself against a rock. And yes, I pull him out or his brother pulls him out, but his arms broke. There are consequences. And so rather than get involved in all that, avoid it altogether. That's true wisdom. That's what it means to be a true man. You don't want to be, we're in Proverbs, look over in chapter 5. You don't want to be like this person. Look at verse 11. Someone who did not listen to wisdom, gave themselves to, in this case, immorality, gave themselves to sin. It says, and you will groan at your final end when your flesh and your body are consumed. And you say, how I have hated instruction and my heart spurned reproof. I have not listened to the voice of my teacher nor inclined my ear to my instructors. I was almost in utter ruin in the midst of the assembly and congregation. Do you, is that what you want? I mean, you can still glory in the fact that God pulled you out, but there are going to be consequences. So do what the Bible commands. Avoid evil altogether. Now, 
Let's look at something here. Let's look at the first step into evil. How did these evil men become evil? What really happened? Why do we want to know this? Because we want to avoid that. You want to avoid that path. Young person, listen to me. I have counseled and pastored people for years in not just pristine churches, but in in drug centers and, and in prisons and on the street and, and in so hospitals and so many different places. Look, you, you don't want these heroic supposed testimonies of having utterly ruined your life. And then God pulls you out. Listen now. Listen now and avoid all these things. And that's what we're going to see. We're going to study how these men became or fell into greater and greater evil. How did it happen? Well, let's look at the first step. Let's look at verse 13. It says, um, from those who leave the paths of a brightness to walk in the way of darkness. Here's what I want you to see. There's no middle ground, young person. You think you have one foot in the kingdom of heaven and one foot in the world and you're going to be okay? You're not. You're not going to stay there. You're never going to stay there. You're going to slide. You're going to slide. And you're always going to slide toward evil apart from God's grace. Do you understand me? So what happens here? The first thing they do is they leave the path of uprightness. And what is that path of uprightness? We've talked about it so many times, haven't we? They, they leave that path that's marked out by the Word of God. They leave it. They say, that's, that's not the path I want to walk in. Now, it may look like you're walking in the path of uprightness right now. And here's a question. When you leave your parents' home, when you go out into the world, this is what I'm always telling my children. I have two sons that are about ready to leave home. Dad's no longer going to be there. How then will they live? Will they leave the path of uprightness? And if you think you find it difficult to leave, uh, to, to live for Christ now in your home where you're protected, how much more difficult will it be when you're out of your home? You know, as God told Jeremiah, something like this, if you can't run with footmen, with soldiers, you're not going to be able to run with horses. If you can't run in the plain where everything's flat and no trees, how are you going to run in the bush? If you can't live now, how are you going to live then? So remember, the first step is always what? Saying no to God. Saying no to God's word. Thinking you know better. Or thinking that something else is better out there for you. So the first thing they do is they leave the path of uprightness. And then what do they do? They walk in the path of darkness. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We live in a dark world. And the only way you can walk in the light is through the word of God, through following Jesus Christ. You turn from that, you're in darkness. It's not like I'm going to leave the light. I'm going to be here okay. I'm not going to fall into darkness. No, the moment you leave the light, you're in darkness. And that darkness, I, I want you to see that it, it, it's moral. It's a moral darkness. There's no set rules now. There's, there's, there's no direction. There's nothing. You're just walking in the darkness. But also, it's not only a moral darkness. It's an intellectual darkness. 
And that's where we are right now in our society. You, you can't even reason with people. Even if you have data and facts and, and, and arguments and logic and everything else, they're just almost like animals driven by instinct and by rage and by emotion. They can't even think. So it's not only that they give themselves to immorality, they give themselves to dark things. But they can't even exercise the proper use of reason. You turn away from God. You've turned away from life, light, reason. You've turned away from being human. Do you realize that? Let, let me give you an example. Look with me real quick over to the book of Romans. Just hold your place there in Proverbs. And look in Romans chapter 1, where we see literally um, just this downturn into not only immorality and darkness, but absurdity, irrationality, the inability to even think. Look, in verse 18 of chapter 1, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Why? What do they do? They suppress the truth and unrighteousness. They, they, I don't want to hear the truth. I don't want to hear it. Maybe one day you'll say to your parents, when you're in sin, and they come to you and they say, look, you're, you're not following God. You're not following the Scripture. I don't want to hear it. And you get far away from it. You don't want to call them. You don't want to talk to them. You don't want to go to church. You don't want to be around anybody that has anything to do with righteousness. You suppress it. You hold it down. You don't want to hear it. You want to dig a hole, take God's word, and throw, throw it in there and cover it up and be done with it forever. Now, they suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Okay? And it goes on. We, we don't have time to go through everything here, but let's go down to 21. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. We're talking about a dark heart, moral character, darkness of moral character, but darkness also of mind, of intellect. Professing to be wise, they became fools. I, I have seen this so often. Departing from God's wisdom, thinking that it's wisdom in doing so, only to become like, like just irrational. And, and how does this irrationality, how does it manifest itself? Look in verse 23. And exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man. So instead of worshiping God, they're now worshiping man. Make no mistake, you're going to worship something. You understand me? Something's going to be number one in your life that you're going to bow down to. So they, they descend from what? From, from worshiping an all-good, all-holy, all-righteous, omniscient, omnipotent creator to the worship of men. Statues of men in Paul's day. Worship of men, heroes. And then go on. They don't stop there. Now, that's stupidity. I mean, think about it. Rather than worship God, you're, you're worshiping man. The Bible says that he's just one nose full of breath at a time. His life is like a vapor that quickly vanishes. And you're going to worship that. And then, but it doesn't stop there. It keeps going down. Realize, when you walk out of the light, you walk into darkness, and that darkness keeps getting darker and darker and darker. 
It says, and exchange the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man. But it didn't stop there. Now you're worshiping birds and birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. So man not only lowers himself to worship himself, now he starts worshiping things that can't even do what he does. I mean, most man, men can add and subtract and read and use tools. Now he's going to worship something that crawls on the ground and can't speak. It's not sentient. does not think. It's driven by instinct. Uh, a friend of mine used to say when we were, would be teaching in, on college campuses and things, you know, people would always say to him, well, there's no difference between the gods. They're all, you know, it's just the same God. And he would say, okay, the Christian worships a God who is the creator of the universe, omniscient, knows all things exhaustively, you see, without effort, simultaneously, immediately, instantaneously, knows all things. His morality is, is perfect, he's holy, he's righteous, he's manifested himself in these ways and these ways. This is the God of Christianity. And you're telling me that some man who picks up a frog and says, behold my God, that they're worshiping the same God. They're not worshiping the same God. But you see how irrational society has become. And, and where does it start? Well, let's go back to Proverbs chapter 3. You turn from the light. There's only one place to go is darkness. And that darkness keeps getting darker and darker and darker. And, and not only can you not see, you have no focus point. You, you have no compass. You have nothing. You're just wandering around and being driven now by the lust of your own flesh and the lust of society. And see, that is, that is not a wise thing. That is not a good thing. So the first step in evil is that. Now, I want us to, uh, I want us to go on. This is getting a, a little long. So the first step of evil is they leave the path of righteousness and they walk in the way of darkness. Now, why do they do that? I mean, why do men do that? Here's something that you've got to understand. The Bible teaches that men are fallen, that humanity is fallen, that, that since Adam, what happened to Adam directly relates to us. It affects us and we participate in it. It's a fallenness that we are born inclined towards evil and with an enmity toward God. It's just a fact. So the reason why they're turning away from the light is because they hate it. And why do they hate it? They hate it because they hate God. And why do they hate God? They hate God because God's not like them. He's good. Now, the root of all evil, the reason why people do these things, is the heart. Look in verse 14. Who delight in doing evil, and they rejoice in the perversity of evil. Do you see that? Let me read it again. They delight in doing evil. The word delight there means they rejoice. They're joyful when they're doing evil. They rejoice in perversity. Perversity, the idea here is, is that, which is, uh, that which is turned about, twisted, dislocated, deformed to the point of being grotesque. That, that because our heart is fallen, we would turn away from this pristine, 
impeccable, holy, righteous, loving God and his perfect will. And we would turn from that to things that are distorted and disfigured and perverse and twisted, you see. And that's one of the reasons, young person, why we must cling to the light. We must cling to his word, knowing that the slide is very, very dangerous. Now, so they del the reason why they do this is it's a heart situation. It's, it's a heart issue. They delight. They rejoice. They take joy in doing evil. They rejoice in perversity. Now let's go on. Not only is the root evil, the result is their works are evil. When you turn from the light, there's nothing left but evil works. If you're not going to do God's works, good works, works of the light, then you're going to have to do works of darkness because there's, there's not a middle ground. It says in verse 12 that they speak perverse things. Now look, it's the same thing as what we saw in verse 14. Look, look in verse 14. It says they rejoice in the perversity of evil. And because of that, they speak evil things. They have twisted words because they have a twisted heart. Now, I want to show you something. Guard your heart, the Bible says. Guard your heart. Guard what comes into your mind. Guard what comes in. What you allow to come in, guard. Be very careful. Keep a door there, locked. And only let the best things in, because once things get in, they have a tremendous influence. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew twelve thirty four: You brood of vipers, talking to the, the Pharisees. How can you, being evil, speak what is good? For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. You see, their heart is perverse. They speak perverse things. Their heart is perverse, so they do perverse things. And this is why the Bible is telling us, guard your heart. Guard it. Because what go, comes into your heart, what you watch on the television, the internet, conversations, whatever, all these things can have an impact on your heart. And whatever your heart is, that's going to come out in your words and your actions. In Matthew 15, 18 and 19. But the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. And the, those defile the man. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, slanders. Do you see that? You know, someone who, who eats a really bad diet, just, you know, fast food every day, eventually is going to become sick and will probably die. It's true. Someone who only, I don't know, plays video games, never studies history, mathematics, never develops disciplines of study and everything, will just eventually be an imbecile. Well, someone who doesn't guard their heart morally from sin will eventually be caught by it. And it will, it, it, it's like a venom. You know, you get, there was a snake in, uh, in Peru in the jungle called Shushupi, and it was, a, we called them two steppers because they bite you and you take two steps, and that's about it. I mean, it was a very poisonous snake. It only bites you in one place, but that venom spreads all through your body. And that's the same way with bad influences and with sin. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 6, 45. 
The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. So if your heart is good, if your heart is good, filled with the Word of God, regenerated by the Holy Spirit, then that is going to be a controlling thing in your life. If not, you're in trouble. Now, so it says here, first of all, they speak perverse things, verse 12, and in verse 15, their paths are crooked. Now, this is a different word from the word that's uh, called, that we've used earlier, perverted or perverse, but it has the same meaning. It's a different Hebrew word, but the same meaning. And it carries the idea of that which is crooked, that which is perverted. So their paths are crooked. Why are their paths crooked? Because they've left the path of life. They've left the path of God's Word. See, God's Word is, it, it, it leads you from where you are to greater and greater and greater and greater conformity to Christ. You see that? It's, it's a direct path of righteousness straight to the heart of God. But when you cast that off, all you have is the lust of your flesh, uh, the opinions of your own fallen mind, and the influences of everything around you, media, whatever. And so you just wander in darkness, and your path is crooked. It's not conformed to the standard of God's Word, but it's twisted and crooked. So their paths are crooked. Also, it says they are devious in their ways, verse 15. The word here means crafty, cunning, deceptive. And I've written something here. The way they will speak to you is full of craftiness, cunning, and deceit as they try to get you to leave the path of righteousness and walk in darkness with them. Why is it that people who walk in darkness get so angry at the people who walk in the light? Well, first of all, it reminds them that they're wrong. It reminds them that they're wrong. It convicts them of their own sin. Why do the students, most students, get so angry at a student who tr tries to be kind to the teacher and tries to answer the questions and studies hard and is polite and does good in school? Why do many students get so angry with them? Call them brown noser and everything else. Why? Teacher's pet. Why? Because the goodness of that student is convicting all the other students of their badness, that they're wrong and they can't stand it. And so they want that student to join them in their rebellion in hopes of silencing their own conscience. And that is why the people will get so angry with you if you try to serve the Lord. They will mock you. Uh, they will be crafty and devious. They will try to get you to do things that are against your conscience, especially against the Word of God, and you must not listen. Let, let's look at an example. Turn over real quick to Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty. You see that? than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Look what he does. Has God said that? He cast out. 
Someone tries to go get you to do something that is contrary to the word of God. What will they say? Did God really say you can't do that? I mean, is it really bad to do that? I mean, I, I just think you're being strict. I just think that you're misinterpreting that. I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think, you know, so it starts out just by casting doubt. But then it gets worse. The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the tree of the garden we may eat. From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it or touch it or you will die. Now look what the serpent does. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. So he starts out doing what? Casting doubt. And then what does he do? Just flat out denies God's word. And as, as you're being drawn off of the path of life by people saying, did God really say that? Then eventually, God didn't say that. But what's sad is when you, you, my dear friend, the one I'm talking to, you begin to think, because of their influence, did God really say that? Is that what it means? Does it really matter? And then one day you find yourself saying, God didn't say that. And even if he did, I don't care. You see? Now, we've gone long here, but it's important. What's the cure for this? First of all, salvation. You, student, listen to me. You, you were born, like me, with a heart inclined toward departing from the ways of God. And the God who created you can transform that heart. We use the word regeneration, regenerate it, make it alive again. And how does he do that? He does it by his power through the Spirit. What must you do? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Recognize that you're a sinner. Recognize that you have a heart like this evil person I described. And that only God can change your heart. Trust in Christ. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in him. Don't put your hope in your ability to, to do the book of Proverbs. Don't think that you're going to be able to somehow transform your life through this book. The only one who can transform your life is God, and he does it through his son, Jesus Christ, and what Jesus did on Calvary for you. Trust in Christ. He'll give you a new heart. And having trusted in Christ, learn to walk in the fear of the Lord, in a deep and abiding reverence for him. And finally, Take advantage of what we refer to as media gratia, the means of grace. Now, what does that mean? As a Christian, how can we, not to be saved, we're saved through faith in Christ, but how can we grow in grace? It's through the study of God's Word. It's through prayer. It's through fellowship. It's through fellowship, especially in the local church with elders and preaching and the ordinances of baptism and the Lord's Supper and church discipline. Run to those common means to grow. Well, God bless you. Um, be warned that we live in a fallen world, but be encouraged. He that is in us and has revealed to us his will is greater than he who's in the world. God bless you and see you in the next study. Thank you for listening to the Studies in Proverbs podcast produced by HeartCry Missionary Society. Visit heartcrymissionary.com to view our other productions and to find out more about HeartCry Missionary Society.